Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stopper joining you, along with Derek Scott, Cody Jansen, Brendan Escott. This is Letters Now for Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Again, if you've not heard, uh, sad news involving a former Edmonton Oiler, Brian Marchment. Mush spent four seasons here in Edmonton. He was at the NHL draft in Montreal. His agent, Rick Kern, has confirmed that uh, Marchment passed away. He was 53 years of age. Remind that you can uh, reach us on the River Curry Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. What's going on here with this script? Uh, and text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063 as well. Ashley Fine Floors, get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 100 and 11th Avenue. All right, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, and we welcome back to the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you doing? Good. I'm going to pose the same question to you that I did to the listeners, and that pertains to Evander Kane. Would you be prepared to go north of $7 million with a term of five years or more on Evander Kane? Holy moly, Bob. That's a lot of money and a lot of term, isn't it? Um, I I could see the market maybe going that high. That sounds like at the very highest end of the market. Yep. You're going to be buying him. Um, so I would, I would say, you know, here's the thing. You're weighing how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup. There's 32 teams now. Yeah. Win a Stanley Cup once every, and so what is your window to win it? What realistically, how many times are you going to win it in a ten, twenty, thirty year period? Uh-huh. So if you have that chance to win it, do you go for it? And is this your best bet? Is this an absolutely crucial moment and crucial player to bring in in order to win? And the problem, like the issue with Kane, is the reason I lean to yes though might be because of my own recency bias. He he played so well in the playoffs. They don't win, I don't think, those first two series without Evander Kane. So part of me says, yeah, let you do that. On the other hand, I just wonder, can he maintain that level? He's 30, he's going to be 31 this season. You know, these are years when power forwards tend to drop off in production. Um, they get injured, they get banged up, they recover less fast. So you're weighing all that against the, you know, the holy grail of winning the Stanley Cup, which is so incredibly difficult to do. Yeah. But well, and my it, indication might be to walk Bob from from that high an amount, like four years, four years, three years of that amount. Like the idea of that's, taking over that's the contract what Lott, Lott, Yeah, Lott go said he'd go. Lawton said he'd go four years on him, and that's as far as he'd go. I will tell you this: uh, we, we have a lot of experience. A lot of this, frankly, and we got to give credit where credit was due. 
for me, some of the credibility for the analytics community came with the David Clarkson contract in Toronto. That people did extensive work on that and said, uh-oh, that's a contract that it's going to be difficult to live up to. Now, in Clarkson's case, he'd only ever had one 30-goal season. He hadn't yeah. been a consistent goal scorer in New Jersey, and then he hit the home run. And and David Clarkson, frankly, wasn't born with what Evander Kane's born with. Uh, others, you know, we followed uh, David Clarkson up with, you know, with what happened back in the summer of 16 with guys like uh, Ladd and Oposo and obviously Milan Lucic. Uh, Milan was a 30-goal score, different type of play. I think that Evander Kane is a superior athlete to all of those guys. Like Evander Kane, when you see him, looks like an NFL wide receiver. Like he has that sort of frame. Like you're like, wow, that guy's in shape, man. It's like that's the first thing that crossed my mind is this guy looked like a boxer in his prime. Like he was in fantastic condition and it was natural. You could tell he hadn't put, you know. And so I do think that Evander's a guy that will be a good player at 34, 35. And I know Dan... I know Dan Milstein. He's got to max what happened here at Edmonton. And so I, I, I'm really interested in what people think on this because to me it's a tricky one. And I think if you're saying there's no way you can give Kane a five-year deal, I think that's a defensible position. And if your position is the Oilers have to win now, you got to go all in on Kane, look what he brought you, I think you can make that argument either way. It's You know what I'm saying? I think I think that uh, the three years at seven million dollars, like the remaining San Jose contract, would be uh, at this point. Most any any team with cap or most teams with cap would go for that with Evander Kane the way he played, and I think he is going to age well. Like there there are some players like Bill Guerin had a pretty good career, for instance, right in his thirties, uh, and and Kane strikes me as that kind of player. Um, you know, someone who's going to have less production than he had in his peak years. And let's say this this year was obviously a peak year. He's probably going to go down in these five years, 10, 20%, not per year, but overall, definitely. He's going to take a drop down and stay at, this, at a different level for a while. If he doesn't get injured, he'll stay at it maybe the full five years. But, you know, I, I think you're stretching for four years at the $7 million plus amount. That's a stretch. But you you might do that in order to... if to win the Stanley Cup. The Oilers might do that. I could see that. But five years does seem like, wow, you're really imperiling the future of the franchise uh, in the long term with that kind of extra stretch. We're joined right now by David Staples for the Cult of Hockey. All right, David, we're going to switch to everybody's favorite topic, Yessel Pugliarvi. And you asked a question yesterday or made a point yesterday <laughs> about how many teams that are analytics-driven. Is Was that the gist of where you're yeah. coming from? Yeah. We would yeah. see on what kind of – there we go. Go for it. Well, my, my thought is this. Like, we're hearing right now that the market's kind of soft for Pugliarvi. It, it's hard to know what that means because in the end it might heat up. But – if there are a lot of teams who are heavily into the kind of analytics that many Oilers fans and pundits are into, these, you know, the on-ice analytics using Corsi, Fenwick, expected goals, four percentage, these are all of a kind, these analytics. They all measure an individual player by how his team did on the ice. So if you have a number of NHL teams which have gone down that path that are heavily invested in those a- analytics, like let's say there's five, six, seven teams like that, what you, sh- what you should expect is a healthy market for Pugliarvi because his analytics in that regard are off the charts. I mean, everyone's, everyone who believes in those kinds of analytics puts a lot of weight in them, says the orders must keep this player essentially, like they're, they're gaga over this hockey player. So 
if there's NHL teams that have the same kind of analysis, where's the market for him? Will we see a market for him? I hope that actually that there is going to be a, a market for him and there's going to be some teams. And I don't know who they are, New Jersey, Carolina. They're going to see this player as being very valuable in helping them win. And you might get a, a kind of a, a little bit of a bidding war, at least, between two or three of these teams that, that see hockey, see analytics the same way. Now, there could be other things that will drive down Pugliarvi's price, though. If he's asking too much, essentially that, that decreases his market value, I think, overall. And you could see a decreased price for him that way as well. If he just has out-of-control or you want teams view as out-of-control expectations on his next contract, voters could be in tough to move him. Um, if that word gets out. So there's a couple of factors at play here, but I'm hoping that there are these NHL teams that believe in this kind of analytical work as much as many Oilers fans do and that there is a market for him. It's it's really interesting because can you believe the debate that's out there right now? <laughs> like, I, like, I think I'm fairly moderate on Paul Yarby. And I go, ah, you hate, I, I don't hate the guy. I, I I wanted the orders to be patient with him. I thought there was a player there. I talked to, I talked to some of the coaches about, you know, you got to be patient with this guy. But last year in the second half of the season, we're talking about a guy who's now a relatively experienced player and he didn't finish at the rate that everybody was hoping for. I don't know what he's looking for dollars wise. That's another part of this equation. And I don't know where he sees himself as well, David. You know what I'm saying? Bob, I think here's what changed. Here's here's. I'm a big Pulley fan. I'm in the. I think he's a uh, top six winger camp. Okay, that's where I'm at. So I'm okay if they pay him a bit more than than some other people might think. But here's what kind of softened me up on this. I think that Ken Holland, one of the biggest feathers in Ken Holland's cap last summer, was his bringing back Yessa Pulley giving him a second chance. Two years. That ago. was a point. Two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. That was a point. But after the season played out and Pulley had a good year, so. When that season ended and Pugliarvi turned out well for the Oilers on a bargain contract, that was, you know, there was some mistakes Holland made that people were beating him up for. But he was getting resounding praise from just about every Oilers fan for bringing back Pugliarvi. This was a big thing for him in his career as the GM. He made the right move. People appreciated that. So when Holland at the year-end press conference talked about needing to sort out yes to Pugliarvi, that was a major kind of about face, I think, from the GM who, you know, who had to see this, this contract as a major win. If he was turning the page on Pugliarvi, it made me think, okay, something's happened here, either with on the team, uh, on, on the contract front, something I'm not necessarily seeing on the ice, because I do think on the ice there's some, there's some recency bias against Pugliarvi because he did have that weak playoffs. But it, you look at his overall body of work, I do think he had a fairly strong year. But I just wonder if the ask is too much, if the demand is too much, or if there's internal issues on the team. Well, you know, we've, we've heard about players not necessarily wanting to play with Pugliarvi anymore on the same line. So there, there might be something that's changed Ken Holland's mind. He's a pretty, you know, he might not be the most analytically driven person, but he strikes me as a very wise customer, a wise dealer. Doesn't win them all, but he, he reads uh, human relations fairly well. I think he's, I don't think he's just being rash here. I think he's moving away from one of the prize moves of his, his Oilers tenor for a reason. And um, that's why this is happening. Well, let's give you a different perspective. So Ken Holland spoke after the Oilers had already begun their end-of-the-year exit interviews. Okay, We don't know what got said during those interviews, but it needs to be stated that Yessa Pugliarvi was one of the few players that did not benefit from an uptick 
uh, in his results under Jay Woodcroft. However, as Woodcroft pointed out, he was out for a month with a lower body issue, and he got COVID at, uh, you know, third week of December. So third week of December, he gets COVID, comes back from COVID, and then he ends up missing a month from the middle of February to the middle of March. And again, we don't know what was said, whether or not that was a factor. Um, I, I was like you. I interpreted things like, oh, I go, well, that's kind of a little bit of interesting. Given that Ken's patience and not trading Pugliarvi for a pick or a prospect, I suggested a trade for Henrik Borgstrom. I would have been wrong. Shows you what I like. I now I'm surprised Borgstrom hasn't had more traction in his NHL career as well. So we've talked about Kane, we've talked about Pulleyarvi, David Staples' call to hockey, lots of rumors about Kurt Overhart having both Mike Smith and Jack Campbell. Where's your headspace at with Jack Campbell, David Staples? Well, if you look at Jack Campbell's, just his basic you know, save percentage, uh, which isn't, you know, it's not the, the single best way to rate a goalie. There's, you know, you can look at more enhanced save percentage numbers, like the, the most difficult shots they face. And those numbers are available, I think, to pretty much all NHL teams. But if you look at his basic save percentage, he's had about six solid seasons in a row, Jack Campbell has, between the AHL and the NHL. Um, he played well in Toronto. He's 30 years old. Sounds like five years at about five million dollars. That's the number that I keep hearing thrown around. So my my one concern about this, Bob, is if Stuart Skinner turns out and becomes the goalie that we all hope he's gonna be, if you sign Jack Campbell to that amount of money, do you have room then for another goalie who's gonna be commanding uh, a fairly hefty contract? So I'm I I'm ver- I'm worried about term with Campbell's contract and the fact that it may preclude the Oilers keeping Stuart Skinner, having too much money tied up in the goalie position um, if you pay a lot to Campbell over time. So this is that would be my concern. Like, it's too bad Mike Smith didn't have this one more year in him and, you know, could play at the same level he played at this past year because then you're, then you're set. You have a much better idea of Skinner, and if he needs to be paid, you've got the money. Kind of is going to co- complicate things a lot if the Oilers lay out big on a, on a goalie. But this is a position, if they are going to compete for the Cup next year, and that's an imperative that they try, they've got to get a goalie. David, like, the fans don't want another stopgap. They want a permanent solution to that. Don't yeah, they? Well, it could be Skinner, though. I mean, what if it's Skinner? But and not then you don't right have away. To pay him? Not for, it's going to take him a couple of years to get there. Traditionally, it does, David. So we'll wait and see on Jack Campbell. All right, now for a total curveball for you. Uh, David Staples, Cult of Hockey. So we've hit on Kane. We've hit on Poliarvi. We've hit on the goaltending situation. Uh, we've got some pretty interesting people on in the city council right now, and they've got some <laughs> concepts, and you put some numbers out. Is it true that Edmontonians are paying higher uh, for uh, homeowners tax that, that, than, in, that, than in Calgary? That came from um, a businessman, Brad Clough, or Clough, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but he's a local businessman. And yeah, he was saying that on, on expensive homes, he was saying on homes, yeah, that we pay a higher uh, overall rate uh, per $100,000 on our homes than, than, than is paid in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So the councillor, city councillor Michael Jan, says on, that on expensive mansions, as he calls them, mansions, that there should be, they should have progressive taxation on, on housing is what he's suggesting. So, you know, some people who are renters and live in a less expensive house will probably agree with that. 
and then other people. Traditionally, Bob, we've had a flat tax on, on our homes. Everyone pays the same based on their market value. Okay. I think it's a system that, that generally works. Um, I don't think you need progressive taxation. People who own mansions already pay a ton, an absolute ton of property tax. So um, right. got, I don't, I'm not into the let's go after them in a big way. Well, he's apparently he's not a fan of the police either. Um, <laughs> now, what about what the city actually spends? Where are we at with that? How, uh, effi- how efficient uh, has that been? More or less efficient. Head- more or less efficient than the Oilers deployment of uh, the salary <laughs> cap over the last year, David. My understanding is the city's got a lot of middle managers and a bit of fat, you know, has a bit of fat. And this is from talking to people who were running for mayor in the last campaign and other people. Like the, the city has got some serious work to do about what its core values and core services are that need to be, um, that you have to deliver to the citizens of Edmonton what's within their mandate. They're always kind of reaching for stuff outside their mandate. Like, you know, they want to solve climate change and spend a lot of money on that. It's not really the city's job, although they should keep an eye on it. You know, they, what they have to do is keep the, keep the roads going, uh, you know, keep transit going. Look at what their core responsibilities are, focus on that. And I think if they did that, they could actually cut a lot from the budget and they wouldn't be talking about raising all this money from uh, this, that, or the other way. Uh, this text comes in, uh, work in CRE. What is CRE, David, you know? Edmonton Miller rate is sky high to begin with, and the super tax on luxury homes will drive people away. That text comes in right now. I don't think everybody agrees with that. David, how do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at the, they can follow me, Bob, at, at D Staples. Thanks for uh, finding a way to uh, allow us to get all of you to. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thanks, Bob. That is David Staples, Call to Hockey 123 in Edmonton. We'll come back with some text when we return on orders now. The Don has texted us, and, and I'm going to do the Don voice because if I was based on the Don's text over the years, he says, on Paul Yarvey, exclamation point. Staples is delusional, exclamation point. He got most of his points on McDavid's line and on PP1. He can't carry the puck, can't pass, and is a poor back checker. Oh, he knows how to back check. When to back check, but he is the puck chaser. He is a bottom six player, exclamation point, says the Don. 1.75 for three years from the Don. Well, I'd pay Paul Yarvey 1.75 over three years. If I'm Marcus Lato, I don't know if I'd do that deal. 
Uh, Bob Fletch from Calgary has texted the show to say a lawyer friend of mine suggested that if Andrew Kane wins his arbitration, his NHL rights could go back to the San Jose Sharks. Arbitrators have a history of wanting to put things back like they were. 100%. That is a possibility uh, for Fletch. Hmm. Oh, Lee. Lee, we could only dream. Would it be a downgrade for the Edmonton Oilers if we were to trade Yesapoliarvi for Martin Natchez from Carolina? How about our first to Carolina for their second and third from Chicago with JP for Natchez? Too much from Lee. Uh, I think the Oilers would need to top it off. They, they need to add a little bit more. I love Martin Natchez, and he had a tough year. Did not go well for him in Carolina this season. I'm a big Martin H.S. guy all the way back to um, the NHL draft. And and he was a guy that, let's just say I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Just for the listeners who are unaware, Martin H.S. is a right shot center. He went, where did he go, like ninth? Twelfth. Twelfth overall in the 2017 draft. That was the... Uh, Kyler Yamamoto draft. I mean, there was no way he was going to fall to 22. If the Oilers were in the top 10 that year, I think they would have taken Natchez. I'm serious. That's how much they liked him. He said back-to-back 40-point seasons. I mean, he had 14 goals and 41 points in 53 games. Pretty good player. Uh, this year, 14 goals and 40 points and 78 players. I think Edmonton would need to top that deal off. <laughs> if you could find a way to make that happen, I'd be doing it all day off to a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell and when we come back our nhl insider john shannon you're listening to oilers now oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on oilers radio 6 30 chad